Welcome, everybody. It's time once again to grab your board, swim out into the surf, and see if you can catch the sales pipeline with that. Uh, let's see. What should we call him today? Let's just call him Matt Hines. That works. That works just <laughs> fine. How are we doing, Paul? I'm doing good today. little cloudy. Clouds are gathering here in Southern California. I don't know if that's a, Clouds in Southern California. That's not a good thing. So at what point do if you're in Southern California at what point do you call it overcast like 10% clouds 15% clouds a cloud a cloud a, a stray cloud and oh my goodness That's overcast. the weather today's ruined That's the day right. is ruined stay home oh my goodness well um I don't think today's ruined it's beautiful here in Seattle Washington as we record today's sales pipeline radio thanks so much for those of you that are joining us live on the sales lead management radio network we are live every Thursday at 2:30 Eastern 11:30 Pacific and for those of you that have found us on the podcast thanks so much for joining really humbled by the number of people that are finding us and listening in and uh, downloading new episodes every week. Uh, you can find us on iTunes Store and on Google Play and then of course at salespipelineradio.com on demand every episode uh, that we've ever produced and ever will produce on salespipelineradio.com. Uh, we feature every week some of the best and brightest minds in sales and marketing, uh, new ideas, new perspectives, uh, and really, really excited today for our guest. He's one of my favorite sales speakers, one of my favorite sales authors. I've been, I, as a marketing guy, Paul, I spend most of my time reading sales books and sales blogs. I I continue to learn new things in marketing in terms of the, what are we do for marketing, what we do with our clients. Uh, but I think great marketers need to understand sales better. So I spent a lot of time reading sales books. Someone asked me earlier this week, I was on someone else's podcast, and they asked me, what are two books that have had the biggest impact for you in 2017? So two of the best books you've read. And they didn't qualify that, Paul. So they didn't say, like, does it have to be sales and marketing? Mm. They said just who are the two of the best books. And the first one I gave them was a book called Meathead, The Science <laughs> of Great Barbecue and Grilling. Of so course. If you like if you like grilling, if you like cooking meat and other things outside, this book is amazing. It's sort of a cross between a great grilling barbecue and then, you know, a scientific book. And, and if they like, could see your office, you actually have like awards or sauces or other things up on the shelves. Every time I see you on Skype, I see various uh, paraphernalia oh, yeah. with no, barbecuing. We, so it's, it, we, this is a very much uh, meat friendly, barbecue friendly <laughs> show. But this guy, I think his name's Bob, but he goes by his he goes by Meat Meathead Meathead Goldwyn. <laughs> he wrote this book with a physicist and food scientist from Boston University. And if you like grilling, if you like smoking meat, it is one of the best books I've ever read. It doesn't just give you recipes; it tells you why it works and it really helps you kind of do new things. So, Meathead: The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling. That was book number one. The second book I, I that immediately came to mind for one of the best books I've read so far this year is The Lost Art of Closing, mm. which is the second book published by our guest today, Anthony Ian Arena. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. I came in second place to Meathead. <laughs> <laughs> it was more the setup. You know, if I'd given Meathead a second, then I think I would have interrupted the flow of your of your <laughs> of your great insight. So no no disrespect at all, for sure. Coming but, uh, in second to the Bible, though, was, I mean, if people understood your your love for barbecue, they would know this is a high honor. Uh, not a love for barbecue, but also, I mean, seriously, this is a really good book. So, but so is the last art of closing. Uh, so is your first book, the only sales guide you'll ever need. Uh, and you've been, I mean, you've been blogging literally every day for years. Uh, so my first question to you is, you know, as a blogger, as someone who already has established themselves as, you know, one of the preeminent thought leaders, writers, speakers in the sales space, what, why did you, why did you choose to diversify from the blog into uh, full on books? 
I didn't really, I didn't think I needed to. And honestly, I didn't want to. I just had so many people pressuring me and asking me, when are you going to write a book? When can we have a book? And I, I always push back on that. I'm like, well, I have right now, I just checked last week. I have something like 3,200 blog posts. And I'm thinking, how do you need any more content than this? How is mm-hmm. it even possible? Whatever I've thought is already written down. But there's something about the artifact of a book and, and actually having something physical and tangible that people wanted. So I had publishers reach out and ask for it, and I didn't really like anything that they had to say. So I decided to publish myself, and Portfolio tweeted me and asked why I hadn't written a book and then asked for a conversation. And they thought they did have a value prop, and they've ended up being a really good partner and helped me do what I really wanted to do, which was write the first book to sort of say who you are matters more than what you do. And then the second book, What You Do Really Matters Too, and it's important to understand you know, where we are in a world where the sales process and the buying process is completely nonlinear now, and we're disaligned, and it takes a different kind of approach. And in, in my opinion, no one has touched this content with anything relevant to B2B salespeople in our lifetime. So it's, I just felt like it had to be written. I would, I would agree with you, and I want to talk a little more about that. Your first book, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, I mean, not only an amazing title, but it really is comprehensive. You cover a lot of different areas in that book, you know, around sales, around marketing, around, you know, personal development. What made you choose closing as the second book? Because of all the different topics that you've covered on your blog, for all the different areas you cover in the first book, for this book to go specific into closing, what what was the impetus there? Just watching salespeople struggle so much in trying to manage a process and then watching their managers, their sales managers and sales leaders wonder why, why can't we forecast right? Why can't we get deals done in the time frame that we think we're supposed to be getting them done? And I don't think that anyone has really recognized the amount of change that we've really had when it comes to what's going on inside the buyer's world. And you and I were together at CEB, and they started talking a lot about this with the Challenger customer on just how many stakeholders there are. So if you were to look at the buying journey from a marketer's perspective, we're going to have you know a number of boxes that start at the left side of a slide and end at the right side with them buying or, or repurchasing or something. On the sales process, we would start with target on the left, and we would end up with closing, you know, one lost at the other end. And it, that that's a nice way to look at it, but it really moves more like targeting, discovery, collaboration, more discovery, consensus, totally off the rails, all the way back to discovery. And it's about determining what commitments have to come next and why, and being able to help the customer to commit to doing the things that they need to do to truly make change on their side. And as much as I watched this go on, I couldn't help but thinking about when Rackham wrote Spin Selling and he talked about the advance, which is the only place I've ever seen him write about, every great rep that they studied with 34,000 sales calls got some commitment to move a deal forward, and the people who struggled got what he called a continuation. That book changed my life only because of just that section. When I started making sales calls after reading that book, I had my calendar open on the client's desk when I met with them, knowing I'm just going to get a commitment at the end of this, whatever the commitment is that moves us forward. But before the law started closing, no one had really written down what all those advances look like. And after, you know, working and writing for so long and working with different groups, 
I just recognize that this tends to be what they look like. These tend to be the challenge you have in gaining those commitments. And I put that guide together because I think it's going to be instrumental for helping people sell now when the world's completely changed and any closing book you would have gotten in the past would only hurt you. We're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Anthony Iannarino, the author of the new book, The Lost Art of Closing, Winning the Ten Commitments that Drive Sales. And I want to talk a little bit about a couple of those commitments. If, if you're familiar with Anthony, you know where to find him on a daily basis. Uh, I would highly encourage you, sales and marketing leaders and listeners, check out thesalesblog.com. You'll get his daily blog posts. You'll get his regular video updates. You'll get access to his books. Just a ton of great insights out there. I definitely encourage you to check out. So you, you cover in this book... 10 commitments that drive sales. And so you've got a chapter uh, identified for each of these. Are these in order of priority? I mean, you start with time, commitment for time, which I know you talk a lot uh, in your blog about just a more proactive management of time. Uh, but for people that are new to this topic, is there one of these commitments that you would recommend they start over others? You know, you're going to go through all of them. I laid it out in, in somewhat of a linear chronological fashion, even though you can go back and forth between these commitments, depending on what's going on inside the, the conversation that you're having with the client. I'll tell you, the big one tends to be the commitment to change. And we do a really good job when we book an appointment of trying to do discovery work. I think that's changed dramatically. And mostly we're not trying to discover as much about the client as we were um, we're now trying to help them discover some reason to do something different to make better results inside their own company. But when we do that, we have a lot of conversations without really asking the client, you know, Matt, it sounds like you have some strong opinions about what needs to be done. It sounds like you have a vision. Is this the right thing for us to be working on together? And do we have the support of your organization in making this kind of a, a disruptive change? And you have to have that conversation at some point. And one of the things that you'll notice in pipelines is there are a lot of deals where there's been no action taken for a long time. And in some cases, I tell one story in the book, a true story. I saw a deal in a pipeline that was 1,741 days old. And I challenged the sales leader that if that was a child, it would be starting kindergarten. <laughs> and, you know, it's not a deal because it's already all grown up and on its way to school. They never made the commitment to change, and no one asked for that commitment. So they continue to have nice meetings, but nobody ever did anything. And so we have to ask for that, and we, we have to understand that's really what we're doing. We're helping somebody make change inside their business. We're going to have to take a break here in a couple minutes. I completely agree with you on the commitment to change. We talk about that a lot uh, in marketing, just that getting to that commitment to change, I think, is one of the most important parts of the sales process and one of the hardest parts of the sales process and is equally uh, a challenge to both sales and marketing. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be back with a lot more with Anthony Ianarino. We're going to talk about uh, his feelings on social selling, which I, I know he has a lot of great opinions about. I'm going to find out why, if you're a marketer, you should be reading this book as well, and you should be reading more sales books. We'll be right back after, after a couple quick breaks sales pipeline radio in a world where the speed of innovation and change in b2b marketing has never been greater the only thing bigger is the need for clarity or a blueprint for a guide to what's really working and how to apply it specifically to increase sales pipeline growth velocity and conversion that's what you'll find in the modern marketers field guide download it free at heinzmarketing.com in a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today? 
to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion. That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z, marketing. But get that book third. Get that meat book first. That's the that's the one you want to get. Yeah. Here, here's the here's the order. Here's the actual order. The only sales guide you'll ever need because then basically you're done reading forever. Uh, so that one first. The Lost Art of Closing second, uh, and then Meathead. So just to be clear, Meathead third. First two books, first and second. Uh, thanks again for joining us back here on Sales Pipeline Radio. If you like what you're hearing, I definitely encourage you to check out our podcast uh, to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And you can see all our past episodes on salespipelineradio.com. Coming up to finish out September, we've got next week Liz Pierce. She is the CEO of Seattle startup Liquid Planner. Excited to hear from her. She she uh, is a marketer uh, by uh, by trade. She joined the company as a marketing consultant, then became the VP of marketing, then became the COO, and then became the CEO. And so I'm curious to get her perspective on you know marketing at a startup, but also how marketers can become leaders and not just of marketing, but of companies as well. And then we've got Adam Schoenfeld, who is the co-founder and CEO of Siftrock. If you want a way to automatically process every single out of office reply you get from individual emails and bulk emails, have those all update your database, update your CRM. He's the guy to talk to. We're going to be talking about sort of the new way of database management with Adam Schoenfeld here in a couple of weeks. But right now, I've got a lot more with Anthony Ianarino. He's the author of the aforementioned only sales guide you'll ever need, as well as the lost art of closing. We have a pretty mixed audience here on Sales Pipeline Radio, Anthony. We have sales leaders. We have sales frontline reps. We have a lot of marketers. I can't recommend every sales book I read to marketers, but I feel like just in going through these 10 commitments and the way you've written the book, I feel like this is a really good book for marketers to read as well. Give a little bit of a pitch to the marketers listening to this, why they should read and what they can benefit from from reading The Lost Art of Closing. I think probably the biggest change, Matt, in the role of a marketer for a long time, our content was around product. So we were talking about features, benefits, spec sheets, sales sheets, and things of that nature. But now we're we're coming in from a much higher place. We're coming in CEB, now Gardner guys would call insight. We're coming in with strategic ideas. And now really we're trying to embody this position of trusted advisor, which means we need trust. And we need advice. It's a two-part recipe. Since you're a, a cook and you like that kind of thing, I'm trying to find a metaphor to use for you here. We only need two things. We need trust and advice. So the marketing content now needs to support a conversation about what's going on in the buyer's world that actually should be causing them to change right now and what are the decisions that they're going to have to make over the next, call it, 12 to 24 months. And then what kind of things are they going to have to do internally to make that change? So it's not only why do I have to change, but how should I be thinking about this change? And that's where we really, really need support. Once we get that commitment to change, then we have to be able to design solutions and get consensus around that. And different people have different needs, and we really need content to support a conversation 
with different groups of stakeholders who have different needs. So when I'm talking to an end user stakeholder, I absolutely have to have product information and features and benefits. I have to have that. But as I move up in the organization, I need marketing content that supports the conversation around why do I make this investment? Because I'm going to bring in a financial person. And I think their view, if they would look at this through, how do we support a conversation where all of these commitments have to be made? And things like the commitment to to resolve concerns. When they start saying, you know what, I'm not sure, then we have to have content that supports, here's why this is a safe decision for you. Here's why it's risky not to do this. And I think it'll change their view of how they support their teams that are actually client-facing. So one of the reasons that I like following you on a regular basis, I mean, you're a great writer. Your videos are fantastic. I encourage people to check those out. I mean, you tend not to be a, uh, you know, shiny object in the pan kind of guy, you know, with the trends and fads that come through on a regular basis. You you base your feedback and, and your in your advice on things that I feel like are fairly universal. Uh, and, and I and I, re- I particularly appreciate your perspective when things, you know, show up that are, I think, of the uh, the uh, the fad of the week, the whether it's account based marketing uh, or social selling or whatnot. Talk a little bit about, I mean, social selling, I feel like has been around for a little while now, at least in term, maybe we've, maybe it's migrated in terms of how people describe it, but, you know, share a little bit of your perspective on how social media fits into the sales environment and how sales professionals, sales leaders, sales reps should be thinking correctly about social as an integrated part of their sales approach. started writing about this when social selling really got hot and you're right, I'm a principles and a fundamentals guy. So it's very hard for me to buy into a fad because I tend to look for things that are deep truths that last for a long time and fundamentals. So the first book, the the best review I ever got on that book said, there's nothing new here. And I thought, thank God there's nothing new there because I was trying to write a timeless book of principles. So if there was something new, I would have really missed the mark. The idea that because we have a new medium and that medium is digital channels that they described as social selling, for some reason, the way that it was sold and positioned was all other mediums are now useless and that if you're going to succeed in sales, now there's only one choice for you and that choice is digital. And it massively overpromised on something that it couldn't deliver. And it started to decimate sales organizations, and it still is. There's so many people who have been told that they no longer need to pick up the phone. They no longer need to ask for referrals and all of the things that we've done historically because social was supposed to replace all that. And the people who have succeeded at, at the highest level using the social channels are, one, content creators, of which I'm one and you're one, but more so the people who are, are the biggest supporters of social selling. I, I lovingly refer to them as the social media mafia because they will put a hit out on anyone who says that you should still use the phone and you should still ask for referrals and you should still do everything else. So I think that the place for social selling is in nurturing relationships in front of an opportunity of building mindshare and developing a brand and a presence so that people can go and look at you and you can share ideas that shape their thinking. But you still have to pick up the phone and you still have to prospect and you still have to do the work necessary to actually create opportunities. So the part where you're allowed to 
tweet a lot and spend some time in LinkedIn groups and then wait for people to start beating a path to your door. I think that that's over now, which is why you don't really hear a lot about social selling. We've moved on to account-based marketing and digital transformation of sales because the social selling, the promise wasn't there. So I think it's just about at the end of its run. And I'm already starting to see a lot of people that are proponents saying things like, you know, it was never about that. It was really about this. And they're starting to change their tune quite a bit. I got one more question for you, Anthony. And, and this is a question we ask of all of our guests. And your name comes up frequently when we ask this question. If there was a Mount Rushmore of sales, if there was if there was something that, that would, would uh, create a monument to some of the best thinkers, some of the people that you have learned the most from in sales over the years, doesn't have to be four people. It can be how, however, it could be one, it could be two, it could be four. But uh, who would be on that mountain from your perspective? I mean, the place of honor for me has to go to Neil Rackham. I mean, Neil Rackham, if anyone belongs there, it's Neil. So I, I would put him first and foremost. I would probably have to put Mac Han in there too. And not a lot of people remember Mac's work and it's really old now. It came out in 1970 and it was called Consultative Selling. And it was really the first time anyone said, your job is to create profit improvement plans and help your clients make more money. And the book was prescriptive in that regard. And it also was the first book that ever really dealt with how we deal with purchasing and how tactical they can be with us with a, a Pico system. So I would put Mac there too. Those would probably be my two contributions. Love it. Those are great, great additions. And uh, encourage people to check out uh, the books and resources from them as well as definitely uh, make your way over to the sales blog. Dot com. You're going to find uh, Anthony's daily blogs, his daily videos, uh, information about having him come speak to your sales team. He does a ton of keynotes. A super, uh, very, uh, feel very blessed that he's with us today because he's crisscrossing the country on a regular basis. Don't know how he gets all this done. But Anthony, really appreciate your time. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. If you liked what you hear from today with Anthony Iannarino, uh, who is the author of the new book, The Lost Art of Closing, you want to share this with others on your team, have other people listen to it, you're going to be able to catch this on demand at salespipelineradio.com. In just a couple days, we'll have an edited transcript of highlights from this conversation up on our blog at heinzmarketing.com in just a little while as well. Make sure you don't miss another episode. Check us out our podcast. Make sure you're registered and subscribe to that on iTunes Store and Google Play. Lots of great episodes coming up over the next couple weeks. For today, we are out of time for my great producer, Paul. This is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. Well, you've been riding along with Matt Hines on the Sales Pipeline. Brought to you by Matt Hines Marketing. 